0: Welcome to Catalytic Leadership, the podcast designed to help leaders intentionally grow and thrive. Here is your host, author and leadership and executive coach, Dr. William Attaway. Hey, it's William, and welcome to today's episode of the Catalytic Leadership podcast. Each week, we tackle a topic related to the field of leadership. My goal is to ensure that you have actionable steps you can take from each episode to grow in your own leadership. Growth doesn't just happen. My goal is to help you become intentional about it. Each week, we spotlight leaders from a variety of fields, organizations, and locations. And my goal is for you to see that leaders can be catalytic no matter where they are or what they lead. I draw inspiration from the stories and journeys of these leaders, and I hear from many of you that you do too. Let's jump into today's interview. I'm so excited today to have Carrie Ann Powell on the podcast. Carrie Ann is a global business strategist, a speaker, and a champion of small and medium-sized businesses. Her varied experience of over 20 years as a Washington, D.C. attorney, lobbyist, and fundraiser positions her as an authority on what it takes to strategically succeed while confronting difficult obstacles. After raising $120 million to build the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial site, launched her strategic business and consulting firm, Trafalgar Strategies, she and her team now advise business owners from various industries and countries on creating the strategies, the systems, and the mindsets to thrive in business and in life. Carrie Ann, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for being on the show.
1: My goodness, I'm so excited to be here, William. This is so (laughs) wonderful. Thank you.
0: I would love to begin with you sharing a little bit of your story with our listeners. I I shared some of the high points, but I'd love to hear a little more about your journey and your development as a leader. How did you get started?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I I think leadership, oftentimes people feel that um, leadership is one of those things that you're born innately with or something. Did <laughs> you notice that? And you're like, she's a born leader. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I believe leadership is taught and learned. Yeah. yeah. And almost to be honest, you know, you hear people talk about, oh, I'm learning a language versus I'm acquiring mm-hmm. a language. Like those of yeah. us who are native lang- English speakers. Um, acquired English, we didn't learn it, right? Right, right. Versus, um, if you're, I'm learning Spanish right now, and I'm, I guarantee you, oh. I'm acquiring it. I'm truly <laughs> learning. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so it's a thing. I think that um, for leadership, um, I, I was, I acquired it um, through watching my parents. My parents were um, strong leaders in um, in their careers and in their communities. And in our family, so uh, leadership was a thing that was a, that I observed, and so then I sort of sucked it in, mm. and also was taught leadership. Um, I I took took advantage of opportunities while growing up and as a young adult to learn leadership by being in leadership, you know, oppor- leadership roles as a young adult, and and sort of saw that. So I think. Um, My journey into leadership and being able to be particularly as a strategist was also acquired and learned also both at the same time. Um, So when I I, when I got out of university, I my first uh, uh, real job out of college was I worked for uh, the United Way in our local oh, wow. community. And I was, was just like it was going to be a short stint. I don't know if you're familiar with the United you know, Way back yeah. in the day, right? It was yeah. definitely one of the um most sort of pillar uh entities in most communities where they, yeah. you know, for those if you have international listeners, although they are an international organization, but for international listeners, it's basically you know, a nonprofit organization that raises money within the community from employers and employees in, in corporations, and then they have a board of directors that uh, divvy up the funds
2: mm-hmm.
1: and give them to the local um, entities that need it. Um, so, I that was my first job. I I was sort of a speakers and tours person. Oh wow! <laughs> it, awesome. it was, it was just, yeah, it was, it was kind of fun. It was like a six month gig. Um, and at that time, I didn't realize I um, how I didn't realize at that time that I always thought of charity as a sort of like, you know, people just volunteering and being all, you know, lovey-dovey and everything like that. Didn't realize there's an actual leadership role and business and role and around that. And yeah. so when I first did that for, for six months, I was like, I, I kind of got hooked at the <laughs> idea of all these professionals doing this amazing work to like build our communities in a different entity. because you always think of sort of governmental entities. And then we think of sort of um, that's sort of the main place that you kind of think of. And then you think of sort of corporate entities, but there's that whole entity of civic organizations, civil, civil entities that yes. play a significant role in how we, and uh, ent- how we engage in life for the most part. So I left, yes. when I was finished with that, you know, when you're in your early twenties, you don't really think you think you're better than you really are. I walked into the office of the vice president of development and I said, you know what? You should hire me as a division director. Um, because um I would do a great job, probably the best division director that you have. That's awesome. <laughs> so and I love the fact that she just didn't poo poo me or anything. She just said, thank you for saying that. I will keep that in mind. Anyway, well, <laughs> That's awesome. And a couple of months later, she called me in for an interview and said, well, we have a position um, for a division director position. And um it's it's not for the largest numbers, not, not for the very big number companies, yeah. but um, but you know, for our donors that are a little smaller, but would like to 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 bring you in because I do see you have potential. She brought me in and within, you know, a year I was I moved up into a larger co- Larger, larger. Uh, what you call larger? Um, you know, in, in, in sale, it'll be like larger sales books. But you know, yeah. in nonprofits, sort of like entities that gave more money. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then, um, and then I was training other division uh, <laughs> directors, and basically, wow. you know, it just became a thing. And I realized I was good at it. I was very right. good at asking for large sums of money. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a gift.
1: <laughs> and, <laughs> I was also very good because of, you know, obviously this is a, a large organization, millions of dollars running through. I had a book value of $2 million myself. So we were very strategic in the way that things operated. And so that's really where I started cutting my, te- my teeth on strategic planning. Mm. And so I, was, I had acquired some leadership skills, but I was learning also, right? how wow. to ask for large sums of money because basically what they do is they paired us with, um, you know, you had a volunteer sort of a CEO of a company who had some oh. very respect in the, in the community in the city and you, and he, he and he or you and her at that time was mainly in the he's, but right. you know, you and he and you and her would go and basically, you know, chat up the CEO of another company to get them to agree to donate large sums of money to the United Bay and also to agree to um, do um, uh, campaigns for their employees to give. And so Mm. I observed how these individuals, how these two sort of titans of industry were interacting. And I would just suck it in (laughs) right? And then sort of begin to play that out because it's one thing to be able to feel comfortable asking for large sums of money. It's another thing to know how the game is played. And so during that period of time in my life, I was learning a couple of things. I was learning how to be a good leader because I had a team. I was learning how to ask for large sums of money in the way that people would respond. I was learning how to be strategic and I was definitely learning how how everything that we as individuals do affects other people. We're just we're all so connected that it's just not we're not we're not on an island at all. And so anything that I did if I had a meeting that I did a meeting very well, then that CEO would decide to give more money, which means that their employees would give more money, which means that we had more money to give to an agency like a domestic violence shelter, which was able to then be able to have a school so that the kids at the domestic violence shelter could have a larger education, which means that we have a more educated populace. So we're all connected. So that was the really the beginning of, you know, I would say, you know, leadership, obviously from home, because I learned that from my parents. But that was the first sort of Big old step yeah. into wow. uh, into uh, learning what it means to be a leader and what it means to, to to make big moves. Like, what does it mean to to have a big project, a big goal, big idea, and be able to make it happen strategically and also through your leadership?
0: <laughs> and it's so absolutely fascinating, Carrie, <laughs> to, to see that journey and that progression.
1: Yeah, and and you didn't stop there.
0: I mean, you know, yes, uh,
1: I did it. You, uh, so I, I, I did that for a few years, and then once, you know, it's it's interesting again. You know, oftentimes people, you know, William, you know, you talk to people all day long, right? Interviewing, yeah. and obviously in the work that you do, and we always think we have a plan in our lives, and we kind of we create this plan a bit within a, an isolated chamber. Not recognizing that every path we take then leads us to another path. Originally, I wanted to be a doctor. I went to school to be pre-med. But Hmm. something happened, didn't do so well in physics. Organic chem wasn't my friend. I was like, you know what, I'll say too. (laughs) (laughs) But nonetheless, um, so while I was there doing all of this great stuff, I began to learn more about some of the challenges that we are that we were facing in our um, in our community and what was is happening in the in in the rest of the country at the time because you begin to see so for instance we had the largest domestic violence shelter in the northeast I mean in the in the southeast area um, I was like everyone used to like brag about it like oh we've got the school on site we can bring all of these women who have been domestically abused blah 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 and the, my brain was like but. Why do we have domestic violence again? Like, remind me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) How come this happens? And at the time, I was never exposed to it. So I didn't know. And when I began to become exposed to it, I I really realized that this is a really big problem. Um, The same thing with so many, you know, there was this great organization that did consumer rights, sort of helped uh, people get out of debt or understand, you know, how to uh, purchase things differently and how to um, manage. Uh, Get the best um, mortgage and those kinds of things. I'm like, well, why is it so difficult? That was the question. Like, why is it so difficult? Why can't just everyday people who be able to figure out how to do these things? So I began to sort of look and see, oh, there's a whole other layer to this. There are policies that are involved. With how we as human beings in our everyday life, whether they're local policies or whether they were, you know, federal policies, policies or state policies. So I decided to go to law school and I became a Washington, D.C. attorney and lobbyist and started doing a great deal of work along these issues, trying to tackle big problems um, from a from a federal level and see how we could fix them. And that's what I did for a number of years and really enjoyed that um, until I found out that they were building a, a memorial to Martin Luther King in the National Mall. And one of my good friends sent me, she was, like, she was actually, she's actually was working with me and she's a lobbyist as well. And at the time I was heading up a program and um, because I was heading up the program, obviously we had to also raise money. You know, I had to have comments. She was like, you're like the best person that raises money in our, in our you know, all the other directors were like, you know, how are you raising them? I'm like, well, I tell you a little secret. <laughs> There's this thing called the United Way. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, William, because it's like they the the people who are the best salespeople were the people who were raised Jehovah's Witness. I'm telling you, they have no show. Go. They That's have, it. They, they grew up very comfortable talking to people, right. and they're just the best salespeople because they believe it. They do, they're going to go out and do it. So if you That's hire awesome. someone from your sales team that grew up with Jehovah's Witness, I'm just saying. <laughs> It's going to work. Tips.
0: <laughs> Tips. right here for business owners everywhere. There
1: it's so going to work for you. Okay. <laughs> anyways, I was like, um, so then I started doing that. So she knew that I was, I had a, a, a history of, of fundraising. And so she's like, Carrie did you know they were building a memorial to Martin Luther King? I said, I had no idea for real. like, I mean, obviously every city and state has a memorial to Martin Luther King, but this is in the national mall in Washington, DC, where we honor our presidents and our veterans of war. I'm like, what I didn't think this was happening. So I um you know they were looking for someone to do corporate fundraising. I said, well wow, well, I happen to know a little thing about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I put my hat in the ring. They hired me, and then a year later they asked me to be the full uh the full chief fundraiser of the of the wow. program. At that time, we had about, I think when I came on board, we we're probably at 28 million, 30 million, depending upon you know, the time that I count. Um and um me and my team we ended up raising 120 plus million because it was 120 to build it, plus we'd raise another eight million to for all the celebratory stuff afterwards because mm-hmm. you know you've got heads of state and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff coming in. So sure. yeah, so that that was really um wow. the journey. And so and I know I told myself, oh yeah, I'm just gonna do this for like you know two, three years, and then I'm gonna go back to the law <laughs> 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 several years later. <laughs> <laughs> years later, um, you know, here I am and I, I started my business after we built it and you know wow. so...
0: <laughs> that's amazing. You know, I, I living in the in the DMV area, I've had the opportunity to to visit that site a number of times. And whenever people come into town, family or, or friends come into town, we take them downtown and show them the sites. And that's always one that we stop at because it's so incredibly moving.
2: It's moving and
0: it? It, incredibly. Incredibly, and and you know, I, I grew up in Alabama and Birmingham, actually, mm-hmm. and so you know, yeah, growing up in a place like there, there's a great deal of history, and mm-hmm. to be in a place like right there on the tidal basin, and and you're in that environment and reading those quotes, it's just it's it's a very powerful place. So you know, for those listeners who haven't had that opportunity to visit DC, when you do, do not do not miss this particular memorial because it, it makes a difference. And when I read in your bio that, that you were you were like in charge of raising money for this, I was like, there's no way. That's so amazing. Um and so just on a on a personal level, I was I really wanted to talk to you and to hear so many ways that that your leadership has has changed and grown and your impact has changed and grown over the years. That is so inspiring to me and I know to every leader who's listening. There's, there's I'm getting a, a
1: little teary-eyed. We're even going to stop. <laughs> I've it's, 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 it, got think a little mascara on. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: awesome. I think it's so important for people to understand that impact is really one of the highest callings of leadership. And as you grow in your leadership, you will grow in your impact. And that's what I hear when I listen to your journey. Yes.
1: Yeah, I, I you know, and I I um well just to before I, I comment on that, I um you know, after building the memorial, and I guess I should share this because people I think sometimes don't recognize that this is a normal, I think a normal part of of building a big thing or um pushing a big thing up the mountain. I was a little lost after we built it. Now they asked me to stay on board to um um, helped to build an education foundation, which is now still there, and um, it's great, so i, I yeah. felt good about it. so I spent about a year and a half, two years helping to build an education foundation around the memorial. Wow. oh but wow. during that time, <clears throat> you know, I was like, what next? Yeah. right? What is the next thing for yeah. me? because I just I couldn't go back to the law i I had done this big thing, and I know although I love the law. Um, I knew that wasn't my next step. I wasn't going to go back. Yeah. But yet I wasn't really sure what's the next step. And I would often go to the memorial, particularly at the nighttime. I'm sure. Have you been Mm. down there?
0: Oh, yeah. It's beautiful.
1: I would go down there at night just to sort of, it was was really a spiritual experience for me being there at nighttime, just to sort of be still and hear what it is that was, that I, that my next step was. I, and it didn't, and it wasn't like, it was like, you know, some voice from heaven telling me, but I, I, I used that period of time of, of feeling like I was just really still a bit in the Valley a bit to begin to take first steps as to Mm. what it could look like. So I, I, I knew that I wanted to, you know, make bigger impact. But I also knew that I wasn't really sure I wanted to do fundraising per se. That was the next step, right? So everyone was like, oh, come and help to do this. I had a whole bunch of headhunters come and be like, you know, come and do this. Or, you know, a lot of folks who knew me. And to be honest with you, this business that I have is actually a second iteration of the business. So I originally did go into doing consulting for NGOs and their boards and actually did some fundraising as well. Hmm. from a consultant perspective and i remember uh i was on a i sort of had an office in manhattan an office in dc and i was on a train from dc going to manhattan for like one of like you know one of my favorite clients he was um a um a celebrity who had an art foundation and you know his like you know it was—it's just exciting to work with people who, you know, are doing really amazing things. And I was going to be doing a board strategy day and helping with fundraising strategy and so forth. And as I was on the train going up, um, I remember, you know, you know how um, I don't know when you had the, you had the quiet car in the acela. I don't know if it's yeah. still <laughs> weird Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, and I was like, you know, you know, listening to some music, and I was sort of writing some notes. And as I was beginning to build the business and I saw in the future, I'm like, if if I build the business as it is, because I, I think I brought in a couple of team members by that. And I was like, I actually don't want this to be it. Like, mm. I just don't want this iteration of just working with, you know, large NGOs on, on fundraising strategy to be the only thing I want to do. And, but right. I wasn't really sure exactly how to transition out. I was still doing quite a bit of speaking and, um, it just wasn't, I wasn't really sure. Um, I actually took some time off and, and, and went to Spain and, you know, spent, I was like, Oh, I'll just go there for a year and kind of do a thing and whatever. But the point is what evolved from that was me just taking smaller steps and mm. me begin to sort of say, okay, what do I, what, what am I loving about the current, my current business? And what am I loving about, not loving about my current business. And one of the things I knew I didn't want to do was actual fundraising anymore, yeah. even though, you know, I don't know if you've read that book, um, uh, The Big Leap.
2: No, uh, I don't think so. No. By
1: Gay Hendricks. And it's, it's um, <clears throat> excuse me, Gay Hendricks is a psychologist um, out of, I mean, he works at, um, he's out of, I think it's UCLA or Berkeley, one of the California schools that has a strong reputation in, he also does work with uh, Titans of business, large fortune Five hundred companies and their CEOs. um and basically the the theory behind the big leap is we have, and i'm gonna I'm gonna butcher some of the zones here, but there's there's a couple of zones that he considers people work within
2: mm-hmm.
1: So sort of the zone of competence, mm. you can do the thing, right. Yeah. Um, there's the zone of excellence, which Mm -hmm. you do the thing real well and you get rewarded for the thing. Yeah. And then there's the zone of genius Mm -hmm. where it's the place that most people don't move into, but it's a place that all of us have. But the thing is we get stuck oftentimes in the zone of excellence or in the zone of competence, because Mm -hmm. those are the two areas that we are often rewarded for. Like, Mm -hmm. so if you are, that's true you know so for me for instance me you know fundraising that would have been my zone of of um of excellence right yeah like stay there you're good at what you do just do it and that's what i was originally that's what originally i did i i sort of got sucked into that space where i know how to fundraise people want me to come and help them with their fundraising and i could do it as a consultant so i'm not on staff so you know you can you know charge you know charge a bit more and you can have a build a team and you can have you know all this great exp- you know opportunities to sort of work with all these interesting organizations which is what I really love I love that yeah. to see where yeah. people are doing interesting things um but it was as I began to see that in the future I'm like this is actually not what's sparking me and I don't think it's necessarily my excellence my zone of excellence and um or my zone, my zone of my zone, my zone of genius, yeah. and so from there, I had to really start walking to what it was that I thought, and what what was it that I think when when I if, if, even when I'm not even doing it, what yeah. was it that people were asking me for, or mm. or responding to me about, or and and again, I do think too, zones of genius change yeah. as we change. You know, you're talking about impact, right? Yeah, this yeah. idea of um, um, if we are beginning to grow, if we're, ex- if, 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 if age is just a way of expansion then mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and, and, um, and therefore our zone of genius, I think expands as well. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, at the time I realized I really was able, I, I felt my genius was helping leaders regardless of what they were doing to really be strategic about some of the things when they want to have big things they want to bring to life. Mm. And what does it mean to strategically do that? And also what does it mean to excellently and exceptionally execute it? Because the thing, William, that I have found, and, you know, people used to think, Oh, you guys built this big memorial. You must've had like this massive team. We had a very small team, Mm. but what we were, and we, we always used to say this little joke, you know, we're not an okie operation here, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, but we had it was a small team and, um, but we, and we you know, you know, we had dysfunction in all of its ways, you know, so sure. there's a lot of things that I often look at. I'm like, Oh Lord, let I me, mean, you know, when i work with businesses, I'm like, so this is what you're not going to do right here. <laughs> right. Right. I've experienced <laughs> that. and Yeah. <that's> <laughs> But then there are some things that we did do we did well. One of it was execution. You know, once we came up with a strategy, we were going to execute it to the hundredth percent. Yeah. And and I and because most strategies, I'm telling you, fancy strategies, good strategies, money-back strategies, Mm. 67% of them fail because of poor execution. Mm. So I like to think of it as. What does it mean to create a good strategy and a excellent execution plan so that you can really get the big thing done? And I and I think oftentimes, particularly when you start thinking about like <clears throat> small and medium sized companies, they have an idea of of what you know they have ideas of what they want to do, but we always shrink it. We do it in life as well. We shrink the ideas. Based on what we think we can do. Mm. The reality is that we can do a whole lot of things big. We have the capacity as humans to do crazy things. Yeah. Right. We can go to the moon, we can do a lot of things. We've been able to solve many of the diseases that are on this planet um we've been able to do a lot of things there's now technology that can clean our air did you know that yeah there's now technology out there that can clean the air that we messed up mark you okay isn't that amazing (laughs) that's crazy so my thing is um there are things we can do and also people like well you know that's really for the you know i don't know there's always someone else out there that thinks that, you know, that that you can, that can do it better or whatever the thing is. But one thing I have come to realize is that the big things that have happened in life usually happen with just a few people, but Mm. few committed people, you know, some crazy person that's willing to say, yeah, let's go ahead and do this thing. And then a couple other crazy people that, we call followers, but they're actually leaders in their own right. Okay. Yes. yes. And so we, some crazy people that say, okay, we'll go with it. If you think about all of the major, say, political movements in the if you think of the civil rights movement, it started with a mm-hmm. couple people around the table. The Memorial yeah. Foundation was three men sitting around a coffee a breakfast table in their homes in Bethesda. Okay. Wow. You start thinking about um, um just any big thing that has really ever happened, it's really just because of a few people. I mean, Christianity, right? (laughs) Right. Couple of, one crazy man called Jesus and then a whole bunch of 12 crazy guys, right? Yeah. Like it really is only small numbers of people that do big things. So we often think, oh, well, you know, I'm a small business, I'm a medium sized business. we got the big dogs over there, they can do their thing. But nothing in life has ever really happened Without just the small people, and I saw this one quote that um, um, that um, goodness gracious, my brain it's too early in the morning. Um, <laughs> hello, Cuba. <laughs> the, the the guy who Cuba
0: Gooding?
1: No, the island of Cuba, the country. Oh, Cuba. oh, Castro. Castro, thank you. There you go. Yeah. Castro. Here's a quote that Castro said. That, you know, he was just sort of talking about the movement and he said that he had, you know, X number of people that had come on board, but he would have done it with only just a few, a few men. Because Mm. the reality is that that's really all it takes. If you passionately believe in your thing and you are leading in a way that's not not focused on you, but focused on the thing, people come because they want to do things bigger than themselves and yes. so they do it right and they want to be attached to that if they see that it can work and so i really often think about what when you think about okay you know zones of excellence or zones of genius, zones of genius it's really comfortable to stay in the zone of excellence definitely mm-hmm. comfortable to stay in the zone of competence cuz you know you know yeah. little, big big fish little pond right that's right. But um, but when you start branching out into the um, genius zone, it's yeah. scary. People are gonna look at you a little crazy.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: People are gonna say, well, why are you leaving this good, safe job over here? You know, you know, right. back you know, in DC, they talk about the good, safe job government job.
2: That's <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, why would
1: you leave the good safe government job over here and then branch out into this madness where we don't even see how it's gonna even work, right? But that to me is what going into your genius looks like. And it's mm. scary and it feels crazy, but it's where all the good stuff happens. Mm. And if you can be consistent in that space, you can be courageous to step there, then be consistent because it's not going to just come overnight. So if you can be consistent in that space, be strategic and then make sure you have a couple of crazy people who are just as crazy as you to come along on it, That's it and you execute well, just execute well. And, you know, I always think you can come up with any identity you can come up with, right? Every, every, every company, every business has a sort of identity around this space. We were like, we're not an okie doke operation. Okay. We're not okie doke. <laughs> even though we were like, <laughs> Over there. Why are we photographing <laughs> these things and cutting them out and whatever? You know, there were things you're like, what are we doing? Because the other thing, that's the other really, really amazing thing about building a big thing is you have to, everyone wanna, wants to get to the top of the mountain, right? Everyone yeah. like yeah. scaling scaling mountain. everyone wants to get to the peak. Yep. But I have found that the fun happens on the way up there. And I know that sounds cliche and all that stuff, but I'm telling you, that is where the joy of life happens. I, mm, we, all we good. could do is focus on getting to the top. We just want to raise the darn thing, build the darn memorial, particularly yeah. when, you know, that we we went through all kinds of, we had that major economic crisis, then we had uh, Katrina, which was taking all the money from, you know, obviously it was important, mm-hmm. right? But all yeah. that money was going towards building up New Orleans back again. So there was no money. Mm-hmm. There was one year, a couple of years, you know, in my heyday, I was bringing in 20 million a year. One year, I must have, I, I remember looking at the numbers, it was a hundred thousand. Mm -hmm. oh my
0: goodness oh Mm -hmm. my goodness that
1: was that crisis year ain't nobody giving money at that time remember when things went down Mm in 2007 2008 yeah yep Yep. not a good time for many of us but definitely not good for raising money for a memorial i mean it's just not on the top of everyone's list of priorities so um then we had a pause because um we had to there was a a domestic terrorist scare so we had Mm. to figure out a way to develop um Um, to, uh, to domestic terrorist measures. And that took a year of working through all of the agencies and such. And I mean, it was just, I mean, there was a pause there, you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, in anything, sales, fundraising, if you are having conversations with people to give you, to part with their money, to give you money, and they don't see any progress, you can't really sell a thing.
0: It's, just it's, true. it's true.
1: It's true. People have vision. They know, okay, yeah, I could see it. You know, those are the crazy ones. We love the crazy ones. But for the most yeah. part, most people are not going to buy your product if they don't think that it's moving anywhere. Okay. So, yeah. you know, there was a time of period where that was, so there are going to be times when you are going to be like, why am I here? Why did we do this? Yeah. This is a hot mess. This is not moving along. So you have to come up with an identity within yourselves around what, it, who you are, what you believe to be true, and really just kind of build a team around it. And no mm-hmm. one left during that time. No one um, wow. sort of said, I give up. No one slacked off wow. on the work they did on a daily basis. And when, when things are turning around, it started turning around and we knew it. And all the work we did when, when, when we didn't see anything growing, no money was coming in began to sprout up. I think, I don't know if you uh, are a friend of Les Brown, are you a friend of fan, a Oh, I love Brown?
0: Les Brown. Absolutely. Oh
1: my God. Love, love, love him. I mean, like, you must protect him at all costs. So <laughs> I mean, He gives us one of his classic stories. Cause you know, a lot of his stories are classic. Oh yeah. But I don't oh, yeah. he has one of his classic stories that I listen to all the time and it's called the, um, Called the uh, the Chinese bamboo tree. Have you heard that story? He's no, I don't know. Well, I don't. He think tells us so. that you know, you know only in less Brown voice, so I can't. That's do right. <laughs> <laughs> but he talks about how there's a bamboo tree, a Chinese bamboo tree, that uh, once you plant it, it takes nine years. I think was a nine. I think it's nine years for it to um, sprout. But you wow. have to still cultivate it. You have to still water it. You have to still feed it. Got to do the thing. But once that once that time happens, within a couple weeks, it just shoots up several feet. Like, like, and you kind of like, you know, can you imagine being that one who has a Chinese bamboo tree, and your neighbors are coming by (laughs) looking at you watering the ground, all
0: like (laughs) nothing there, right?
1: Nothing (laughs) happening. (laughs) What's happening? And that is what I'm saying. The strategy, right? strategy on the end is to build this strong bamboo tree. The tactic is you're going to water it. Another tactic is you're going to feed it. And then what's exceptional execution? You're going to water and feed it every day. (laughs) Okay.
2: Mm, So that's the
1: execution. Now you don't want to skip a day now, some days you might water it and maybe some of the water splatters over here, you're not doing it well. That's you need to optimize that. You know, go ahead and make sure that mm-hmm. the bucket you're using has a good sprout that can get to the plant, that kind of thing. But exceptional execution is doing it, doing it all the time, doing it every day when you decide to do it. And so you want to make sure that you got this strat, you know, the strategy to build this bamboo tree for whatever um ba- for whatever the, you know. Whatever the reason is, you know, your reason for building your bamboo tree is different than mine, but we're going to build it.
2: That's right.
1: How do we, you know, what are the tactics that need to happen? Well, first we got to plant it, then we got to water it, then we got to feed it. Mm. And then how do we execute that that tactic? We do it every single day, mm. even when for nine years, even when we don't see the thing, right? And then yep. nine years, bam, you know, you're looking up and you're like, oh, this is a huge bamboo tree. I didn't realize wow. So people always often say, you know, hey, it's an overnight success. Yeah, it was an overnight success for for nine years.
0: <laughs> for nine years, you know that's so helpful, and I think that's so true. Anybody who has started a business would resonate with that because yeah. there are so many days, so many nights when you are watering the ground, mm-hmm. and you and you 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 have to keep that belief yes. that this is going to sprout in yeah. due season. This is going to sprout in due time.
1: Yes.
0: Oh, I love that, Karia. That is so fantastic.
1: Let me, let and, me ask and you, do, you. And don't do it alone. Do it, you know, build a oh, team. Yes. I always say, build yes. a team fast. You yes. know, if you have some folks who, you know, most of the folks that work with me, um, you know, are people who have, have built a, a business and have a few team members on their team, and they're sort of in the process of scaling. But mm-hmm. even if you are early days in the business, build a team fast. Because mm-hmm. there's an African proverb I always like to say, if you want to go fast, go alone. Yep. If you want to go far, go together. That's it. Build a team fast. I know That's people good. are like, well, I don't have any money coming in. Build a team fast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to die on that hill.
0: <laughs> yes. So good.
1: Build a team fast. So it's not just you watering. It's 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 you watering. It's It's your team watering. And that looks different, right? So maybe yeah. you're up on the hill looking down and saying, hey, guys. Water over there, water over there. You know, we need to, oh, switch over here. We need to bring a tarp to whatever we need to do, right? And then your team is doing the thing because you can't just be in the business watering, watering all day, all day when you're not being strategic. You have to be deciding, oh, what is the strategic direction that we are moving the team in? And if you're in it, watering, 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 then you're not above it looking down and seeing, okay, yeah, that's where, that's why I, I, you know, generals back in the day when, you know, warfare was a thing, you know, I always think of like, you know, old, like, you know, you you have the battles of like the Revolutionary War, for instance, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a big fan of Outlander. I know all women love that show. (laughs) It's because of history. No, it's because of Jamie. But anyway. (laughs) No, I love the historical elements of it. Anyway, the show right now is experience the early days of the of the uh, War of Independence. Okay, and you know you see these these gener- these generals and everything, and you're like, how did they battle on the field? You know, because you think of ge- warfare now today, and it's so different than warfare back in that day. And you know, I heard someone say generals and and stuff were always on the hill, on the higher part of the hill, always yeah. looking to see what's going so they can send the messenger down to the troops to tell them, you know, tell the captains and lieutenants. Um, I, I know, I don't know all the names of the different ranks, yeah. but the people who are leading down on the, down on the ground to do a thing, shift West, shift North, retreat, do the thing. If you're the owner, if you're the owner of your business, or you're the leader of your business and you're mm. sitting there watering, watering, watering mm. that man, which is really important, mind you, must yeah. happen all the time. It must happen every day in order for this to work. But that means that you're not on the hill looking down to decide. okay, what patches are dry? What areas do we dry. need to kind of do a thing to do a switch? You might realize that the way the tactic is executing is not that great. Maybe we should you know, pivot a bit. Whatever the thing is, you're the one who needs to be looking at that. And mm. if you're only working in the business doing the thing, then you don't have the capacity to be strategic and to be a strategic leader. And you can't tell who's exhausted because... You know you're working along with them, and you're just kind of watering, watering, watering. Then you don't know what strengths people have and what's going on. But if you're above, mm. you can kind of look and see. Oh my goodness, that person over here is real good at that. Or that person's exhausted. Let's shift them out. It allows for for you the capacity to be able to move the organization and conduct it in a way that um, makes it more effective. So when the when the when the when the bamboo plant does spurt up. It spurts up and all of the all of the bamboo ones are looking the same and, you know, all the little stalks yeah. and, you know, it, it looks good.
0: <laughs> how do you stay on top of your game? Like, how do you continue to level up with new leadership skills? Your journey is varied and wide yes. and so many different experiences and inputs, but the carry and you're going to need to be a year, two, five years from now needs to have grown
1: i i I just it's so interesting you should say that because one of the things that I've been contemplating this past week is um what what does it look like not just for me but also for the business, right? And I'm always thinking about that um I think it's um what's his name Abraham. I I forgot his name, but he he's a you know, one of those business gurus always says if you you know you sort of look at your business a bit like it's this, you know, I always say it's an entity up outside of yourself. Um he always has sort of look, think of it like a hedge fund. It's like mm-hmm. it, you know, the, the purpose of business is to is to is to produce value, is to mm-hmm. you put some things in and then it generates value. Yeah. It it generates value to um the owner. It generates value to the employees, to the customers, to the stake, to the investors. Um, Basically, it's a a value generating entity outside of oneself to all of the stakeholders and folks that are connected to it. Now, so you're always having to tend it and you have to be the person who you are today to tend it isn't the same person that needs to continue to um, bring it forward. Mm-hmm. Now there's some theories around like leadership in in business. Some people feel that you should, as a, as, if you're the entrepreneur that began the business, at some point you need to bring someone on who is uh, more of an executor, mm-hmm. and then at stay at some stage you bring someone on who is a sustainer. Yeah. And um, there's really four roles, but I'm forgetting one of them. But it's this concept of you know the lifespan of the personality mm-hmm. within the business it sort of goes like this when someone else comes in and goes like that and then there's yeah. this and that's how you can sustain a business yeah um i also there's another theory around it so that's so the idea here is the entrepreneur kind of begins to walk away a bit once mm-hmm. he's kind of done the thing and i yeah. i'm truly an entrepreneur um but i do believe in terms of personality type i mean mm-hmm. i'll yeah. but in terms of my style of personality but nonetheless there's also a different school of thought that if you are you know there's sort of three roles of an entrepreneur of, of a business owner you have the entrepreneur which is the person who likes to take the risk and likes to do the big things there's the kind of um talent
2: mm-hmm. um
1: the person who's really the face of things does the thing you know whatever mm-hmm. the thing does the dance whatever And then there's kind of the manager slash, Mm -hmm. you know, sustainer person. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the idea is instead of it feeling like you have to sort of do this, walk away and then, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, you need all three people. You need someone to Mm -hmm. be all, you need someone to represent each three entities of that working in. So if you are um, sort of a a full-on entrepreneur, meaning you love risk, you love, Mm -hmm. you know, building teams, whatever then you want to definitely immediately as soon as you can bring someone on who loves the, you know, who's going to be the face, the, the actor, you know, yeah. Yeah. the act, yeah the, ta- the talent. And the yeah. and then you need to bring someone on who's going to be the manager. Yeah. And so that's the other theory is that you stay in it, but you just bring you build your team around it. So there's that mm-hmm. and then there's this. I and I think you can do a hodgepodge of it, right? But mm-hmm. in the end, I really think that um Whatever it is that you do, you need to sort of think about how you can evolve with it because what, isn't the whole point of any right. big thing? You grow and you evolve and you strengthen. Uh, I, believe, I believe leaning into your strengths, but I also think a part of life is growth. So to answer right. your question, I what I often do is I often I put myself in environments where they are kind of mm. people that are way more further along than I am. Yeah. And I put myself there and I kind of feel like I'm my, you know, like I'm, I'm 12 years old again wearing my mother's shoes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, my yes. mom, look, both my parents were clothes horses. Okay. <laughs> and my mom, my dad is past, but my mom still is, and she is. Oh so, my
2: goodness.
1: so I just, you know, I think I was wearing heels at eight, six, little cute little, you know, little shoes that they give for <laughs> six year olds. And I just, I, I love me some heels. Right now, I did a little ankle spring a couple of years back, and I can't wear them as much, but uh-huh. I still do love stilettos. So, my point is, though, you know, I always just wear my shoes around with my mom's high heel shoes, you know, and you don't, you know, you feel you know, you're not, you haven't grown into it yet, but you know, you kind of, you know, you're kind of there like, look at me. I'm so cool. And then I put her glory on the, like the things are hanging down to my knees, you know, whatever. The point is though, I try to put myself in environments where people who are way further along so that I can, it's almost like being on top of the mountain and seeing over the hill a bit. Um, and, um, and, I, and and that goes back to being the general, right? You can see a bit over the hill. Okay, that's what I need to be thinking about being. That's what I need that's to right. become to lead this. Um, right. So it stretches me a bit. And it may, I feel a little insecure in those spaces because I'm like, oh, yeah. my God, look at these people who are doing all those big things. And, you know, yeah. but... That's the only way that, that's the what I've always done in my life is always been in spaces where people were always bigger than me or older than me or more advanced than I was in whatever the thing was. And then I sort of observed and I'm like, oh, I could do that. I could do that. <laughs> yeah. I could do that. So um, that's one thing. The other thing is I, I always, um, I, you know, I've done some work. So I know my, I know the areas of my life that have particular woundings and mm. and hurts and traumas and um i'm very aware when they are being sort of irritated right
2: yeah yeah, yeah.
1: and um and so i always know i know what my body feels like when mm. i am making a decision or i'm feeling a bit of a way um but it's not coming from anything of wisdom it's coming from my younger spaces yeah. or Coming from the places of myself that have been healed, I have had you know I, I have healed, but it's still tender. You know, you still have these little wounds, and they have you know the scabs there, the,
0: the scar, you, yeah, you,
1: yeah. But it, if you do a thing to it, you, yeah. you kind of still feel it. You it's know? still there, yeah. So I think to um, you know just being able to 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 know when know when you are being you're making decisions or you're reacting to something that is hitting some tender spaces that haven't completely healed. So I'm not reacting, but I'm just yeah. like, oh, wait, oh, wait, why did that? So I usually, I I I, pract- I learned this practice a number of years ago um, where if I'm sitting in a meeting, particularly because, you know, when you're interacting with people, mm-hmm. that's when things happen. People are like, oh, I'm going to go and be, you know, like go to Bali and just kind of like, you know, be, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, special- that's great and everything. And I think that's very important, but reality is... <laughs> It's like it's only when you're interacting with humans is when yep. those things pop up. So yep. you know, I, I what I would do is if I'm sitting in the meeting and um, and I find myself like reacting, and we all know the triggers that we know yeah. when our body, yes. flips, our heart jumps, our stomach flips, whatever the thing is. And I always sort of like, you know, you're in a like a high stakes meeting. You have you don't have time. You you cannot be pausing saying. Oh, inner self, what's wrong with you?
2: (laughs) You Right, exactly,
0: (laughs) exactly.
1: So I would always wait, but I would make a note, check that out, and when I would go Mm. home and I would being able to have my in my internal time, I'd always sort of ask these questions: What's going on? What was it? Why did Why did that get? Why Why was I triggered? What's happening? And then that's when I realized what you know. And I and I and I do all kinds of techniques to make sure that I'm. Being able to pull out the truth, right? Because again, our subconscious mind will yeah. give you all kinds of like, oh yeah, madness. Oh, it's because they said this or do this. But what's the truth?
2: Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and then
1: eventually, the so like you know, if oftentimes it's hitting my younger self, so I'll allow my younger self to have a voice, and that usually says, well, mm-hmm. they just hurt my feelings because you know when she said that, like, wow. okay. So now you know that what's happening, it's, you know, and I'm, and I love my youngest. If I love my youngest, I love them to just go play and have a good time, but you are not driving this bus.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, You're not driving the bus. That's so it. I'm going to, it also gives me opportunity to heal and to stretch because the more I heal, the more I expand. Um, mm. So, and then the, the third thing is that I do is um, for me, I oftentimes, um, you know, I'm always reading to see sort of like, what are different ways to lead and to make impact? And cause I realized like my, my brain, I, you know, I grew up at a certain time and space and ideas and thoughts were of that time and space. Mm-hmm. So our collective consciousness has evolved since yeah. that time and space, but we, 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 and we like, we like certainty. Mm-hmm. So we want to know that that well last what it was at that time and space. And yeah. so that's how it is today. But yeah. It's not,
2: right? Yeah, yeah.
1: So I think what I try to do is um, is kind of figure out, you know, I think it's Thomas Jefferson that says, in matters of style, hmm. go with the trend. In hmm. matters of substance, stand like a rock. Hmm. So I often say, okay. Good. You know, and I have younger folks on my team, and they're fantastic, and they have all these fantastic ideas, and I think it's fantastic. It's great. I love it. Yeah. So they help me in matters of style. Yeah. Sorry. They're like, yeah, Carrie Nobody's doing it that way anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I've got five nieces. They help me in fashion. They're like Auntie Carrie Ann. No one's <laughs> hearing that anymore. <laughs> That's awesome. (laughs) No, you know, I I try to stay, I try to say, okay, in matters of style, I'm going to go with the trend. However, in matters of substance, I will stand like a rock. So I'm going to like this idea of, oh, you know, we couldn't get so-and-so, you know, we couldn't get this confirmation. Well, did you pick up the phone and just call?
2: Call, right.
1: Just wondering.
0: novel idea right
1: (laughs) you know because what we are going to do is respect the fact that other people are busy yes and um they're not here circulate our lives are not the center of their lives so if you're sending well I sent a bunch of emails and I sent them messages on LinkedIn or yes but did you call because in the end we're trying to get a thing done done right So I also think what are the things of substance that I know to be true and I'm going to hang on to those things um, so that, and those, those are, you know, what are my values? What do I believe um, we, how we operate with people? How do we respect people? How do we interact with people? And, um, and so I go with style. I stand with substance And Mm. that allows me to expand a bit in how I lead. So I'm, you know, and they're like, you know, Carrie Ann, that's gonna take you so much time if you just do it this way. I'm like, I'll do it that way. You guys, you know, you guys know better than me, right? I try to stay abreast of what's happening in the world. Like when AI happened, I interviewed a guy on AI stuff, and then I live, I was like, okay. I'm going to spend six weeks with you and you are going to teach me everything, you know, about AI so we can put it into the business. Yeah. So, you know, so not, I wasn't like scared about the whole thing or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. We don't have time for that. We're trying to build yeah. a business. So right. I think there, that is all something trying to assess where you need to like. I know we want to have certainty all the time and we want to. This is what I know to be true over here. It was. But the world has changed. The collective consciousness have moved on. There are other ways of thinking and doing and being. How do you do that? As well as not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Mm. That's a journey of leadership, but I think it's an important one.
0: So good. <laughs> Is there a book that has made a big difference in your journey that you would recommend that listeners put on their to read list?
1: Yeah. So... I actually really do think the big leap is a good one. Yeah. The big leap is good for people, even if you're not in business, but it's really about how you are operating in your zone of genius within the world. Yeah. Because I often, the first thing I often do when I speak with business owners is, okay, what's your life plan? What's your thing? Because you're building a business, but if something is, if there's no alignment between the business vision and the life vision, I yeah. always say you got to tweet the business vision. 100. <laughs> I mean, you your life vision is is all what it is. It comes from your innards. It comes from your from your yeah. from your you know yaso or whatever. Yeah. Right? yeah,
2: yeah. So
1: you you if your business vision doesn't align with your life vision um, at, at this stage of your life, then you want to realign that. But I think it's really important that you are operating in your zone of view. I want everyone in the entire world. That is truly my value. My mission is to get people living up. To their fullest purpose on this planet. I think we have dumbed down that mm. because, and I think that's one of the reasons we see all of this hurt and pain happening is because people aren't living up. They're living down. And I feel like they're continually right. living down. So live up to what you are really truly called to do. Mm. So, so that's one of the reasons why I really like that book, The Big Leap. And in terms of business, I am going to really recommend. Um, BE two point Jim Ooh. Collins. I'm yes. a humongous fan of Jim Collins. Me too.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay, right? Love him. And so obviously all of his books are fantastic, but BE two point is sort of a love story to <laughs> to entrepreneurs and to small and medium-sized businesses. And I think I, I guess one of the reasons why I love it is because. The idea here is, you know, one of his big books that's very much more popular is built to last, right? Sure, sure. And and um and people always think, well, you know, he's he talks, a, he, his sort of thing is about big business, but they've misunderstood him. He came from his whole thing when he was, I think, at UCLA, or Berkeley. I always mm-hmm. confuse the two. I don't know which one he came from, but um oh, it's Stanford. He was at Stanford, mm-hmm. and he um taught entrepreneurship. He's all about entrepreneurship and small. The reason why the whole built to last sort of, you know, several different books coming out of that was about because he was trying to um, scientifically um, study what were the components Mm -hmm. of businesses that lasted, Yeah. what were the components that were that they had in common Mm -hmm. as a way to be able to almost uh mimic or uh, export mm-hmm. those thoughts, move them into small business so that they can build because every big business was once a small business. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. So so a lot of people misunderstand his posture. But the built the BE 2.0 is almost a love story. Yeah <laughs> for those it's of true. you who love it to entrepreneurs, to small and medium-sized companies, because it just distills down some of the core issues. The core things, and to be honest, a lot of my my methodology in my business is very informed mm-hmm. by him, um, by his work, because I just, I think it works. I've seen it work in my business, in my clients' businesses, but I've seen it work in my own. So I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. But that would be one book that I would recommend people read. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: The Big Leap, Jay Han- mm-hmm. Gay Hendricks,
2: yeah.
1: and BE 2.0, Jim Collins. Love it. No, you asked for one, but I gave you two. (laughs)
0: Give me two. It's a bonus. I love it. (laughs) Karian, this has been such a fantastic conversation. Thank you for being so open, so transparent, and so informative. You've shared so many incredible insights today.
2: Thank you for that.
1: Thank you for having me on your show. It's such an honor. And I love sometimes talking with people to sort of riff about sort of life and business, because in the end, it's all together. Isn't it?
0: That's it. Exactly. <laughs> I know folks are going to want to stay connected with you. What is the best way for them to do that?
1: Well, you know, I I kind of hang out on LinkedIn a bit.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go.
1: <laughs> so um, find me there. Connect. I'm I'm also on Instagram as well. I really do love Instagram too. So if you want to connect with me, connect with me on LinkedIn or Instagram. Send me a message. Say hi. Okay. Um, tell, tell me you're in Williams' crew. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's right.
1: <laughs> and uh, I'd, I'd love to connect. I really think that having those connections, human, human connections, is really, yes. in the end, the most important thing.
0: Thanks for joining me for this episode today. As we wrap up, I'd love for you to do two things. First, subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. And if you find value here, I'd love it if you would rate it and review it. That really does make a difference in helping other people to discover this podcast. Second, if you don't have a copy of my newest book, Catalytic Leadership, I'd love to put a copy in your hands. If you go to catalyticleadershipbook.com, you can get a copy for free. Just pay the shipping so I can get it to you, and we'll get one right out. My goal is to put this into the hands of as many leaders as possible. This book captures principles that I've learned in 20 plus years of coaching leaders in the entrepreneurial space, in business, government, nonprofits, education, and the local church. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn to keep up with what I'm currently learning and thinking about. And if you're ready to take a next step with a coach to help you intentionally grow and thrive as a leader, I'd be honored to help you. Just go to catalyticleadership.net to book a call with me. Stay tuned for our next episode next week. Until then, as always, leaders, choose to be catalytic. Thanks for listening to Catalytic Leadership with Dr. William Attaway. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss the next episode. Want more? Go to catalyticleadership.net.